So I don't know if any of you guys can relate to this, but I kind of feel like I might get killed by an acorn this fall. Anybody else? Like, what is going on outside? It's ridiculous. It's insane out there. Like, some of, some of the people in the room here have been in the military. You've survived, like, being a police officer. An acorn is going to take you out. It's going to be it. You know, be the t- tombstone will be like, here lies John Smith, a Vietnam vet taken out by a kamikaze acorn in the fall of 16. You know, just nuts out there. I'll be sitting in my house, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, like, what just happened? And I'm the kind of guy, I'll have the TV on and stuff, and I'll be watching. As soon as I hear something, this is a man thing, guys. This is a man thing. Ladies, you got to be patient with us. It's like, boof, like, what, what was that? And everything gets paused and stopped, and I go on a half-hour hunt to try to find out who's in my house, what just happened. My wife's trying, like, it was an acorn. That's the biggest acorn I've ever heard in my life, right? Walking out to your car, it's like, boof, I'm, like, diving in the bushes. I think we're under fire, you know? It's madness out there. And it's just funny, though, because I think sometimes in life, we kind of have some acorns dropped on us, so to speak, right? We're going through our day. Things are kind of normal. And all of a sudden, it's like, like, what was that? You know, something, something that we just didn't see coming. Maybe it's like a sudden bill hits you, you know, like accounting from your college called. Oh, I'm sorry. Somehow we missed this, but you owe another three grand. Like, what? You know? Or you're driving your car. You ever, anybody's car ever just said no? No. I'm done, right? I hate that. You know, you bring it in. There's this, there's this noise under the hood. Well, it's going to cost 20 grand. Well, what? No, I don't have that. You know, and so sometimes it's just like, boof, and you're like, okay, I was, I was doing pretty good. I was kind of on the right track, and suddenly I, I'm a little bit distracted now. Uh, sometimes it's like a physical thing. I don't know if any of you guys have gotten this wonderful cold that we're all so lovingly and generously passing to one another through this season right now. But last week I got it, and it, again, it was just like going, doing well, and just boom, right? Some of us, it's getting incredibly busy. You know, we're in this really busy season. We're kind of like right before, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all that. And it's about to get crazy busy. And sometimes that's just enough to get us distracted from the things that are most important in life. And so here in this series, we're talking about taking a pause and reorienting our lives around what's most important. And that's Jesus. Being able to say, okay, sometimes those acorns fall, man, and you don't see them coming. And it's just enough to distract you. Even if it's not the end of the world, it's just enough to distract you from what's most important. And so once a year, as a church, we kind of stop ourselves and say, okay, what's most important? How can we reorient ourselves or kind of find where we are and find what God's up to and get ourselves centered back around that? And so that's what we're doing here in this series. Our mission here at the church is to help people center their lives around Jesus. And we think it's so so important that once a year or so, we come together around this again and we go, okay, what does this look like? Are we living this as a church or are we just like so used to doing church and being called Christians, that we're not even really actively pursuing this anymore. And so we want to make sure this is always fresh in our minds and fresh in our hearts, and more importantly, that we know how to live it. Not just that we know the statement, but we know what it looks like to actually live lives that are centered around Jesus. Um, If you're not a follower of Jesus, we think this is so important for you because we think Jesus is the only person worth centering our lives around, right? There's lots of things you can center your life around, But Jesus is the only one who came for you, the only one that died for you, the only one that loves you and me unconditionally. And so we think he's absolutely the best person to center our lives around. Now the question is, how do we do it? What does it look like to center our lives around Jesus? That's why we're doing this series. We want to make that really clear for everybody. We want everyone to know what it looks like and what it feels like to center our lives around Jesus. 
And so what we've done here is our staff several years ago when we kind of landed on this mission statement said, well, what are some characteristics of people who center their lives around Jesus? And, and if you've been around the last few weeks, you know where we're headed. Last week we looked at the first one, which is learn and apply. We think it's so important that you and I be learning and applying. That, that's part of centering our lives around Jesus. We've got to continue to grow in our knowledge, but then we have to live it. We have to apply what we learn. Then last week we looked at experiencing God and how important that is. It's so important to experience God. And last week, I hope you guys left encouraged that you can't like force the hand of God so that you experience him. He wants you to experience him, and it's about positioning yourself to be the kind of person that's close enough to him to experience him. It's about being near enough him to him, rather, that when he's ready to move, you are there to see it. You are front row center, ready to see God at work. Then uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about this, this sort of next characteristic or step, which is worship, and we're going to be looking, about, looking into that tonight. Then next week, we're going to wrap up the series doing the last two together, which is connect, connecting with each other, and then serving and using the gifts that God has given to us. And so these are really important steps. Now, as I say every week, these things don't save you, right? These things do not save you. Jesus' death and resurrection alone saves you. But we think that these are five characteristics of people who are centering their lives around Jesus. Now, if you've been around for a while, you know my stupid acronym that I made up, and I've been asking you to kind of say it, and no one says it. So on the count of three, everyone that knows it are going to say it, okay? So one, two, three. Ah, I got the chills. Good job. All right. Well done. Luke's, what does that mean? It's the first letter of each one of those words, L-E-W-C-S, just a stupid way to help you remember. It's not an English word. hope it's not something offensive in another language. It's just a word that I hope will stick in your head that you'll remember and you'll be able to take with you. Uh, this past week, I was working on my house and my son Cade was helping me, my 12-year-old, and he goes, Dad, what are you speaking about this week? And I said, well, think about Luke's. What do you, what you tell me what I'm speaking about. So he's like, okay, you did learn, you did experience. He's like, W, W, ah. He's like, wonder? I'm like, no, 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 it's all right, it's close. Because wonder has a lot to do with worship. Good segue, kid, thank you. And so we're going to be looking tonight at worship. Now, what does it mean to worship? This word's kind of loaded, right? It means a couple things when you talk about worshiping God. Because it means doing what we just did in the first 10 minutes of our service. By the way, we kind of purposely cut that set short because we want to have a little bit of a longer time together to put into practice what we're talking about here tonight at the end of the service. But... You have worship where like Andrew's up on the stage with the band and, and we're all singing together. That's one kind of worship. But then there's also the kind of worship where we're outside these walls and we're living our day-to-day lives and we're doing things that we just show God that we love him. Anything I do to show God how great I think he is, is worship. It doesn't have anything to do with singing when we're outside these walls, right? So the way I treat my wife can be worship to God. If I treat her the way God's called me to treat her, then that's my worship of God, saying, God, I love you so much, I want it to show in the way that I treat Kelly. Um, If I'm watching TV and something shady comes on the screen and I change the channel or turn your TV off, that's worship. That's me saying, God, you're better than this, and I love you, and I love my wife, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to honor her in this. That's worship. When you work hard at school, that's worship. When you work hard at work, that's worship, okay? So which worship are we talking about here tonight? Well, tonight I actually really want to spend our time focusing on the worship that we do here inside this room together. We talk about the worship outside the room a lot. I just don't always call it worship. Sometimes I call it living for God. Sometimes I call it putting Jesus first or whatever it might be. And we talk about that a lot. We talked about that and it all comes down to this series. We talked about that in the Best Chapter Ever series. So we talk about that a lot. But tonight, I feel like God really put on my heart to really dive in deep into this idea of worship when we are 
together. And so I think a couple of questions kind of come up when we start to talk about this. The first one is this, how should I worship? Like, how do I worship? What, what do I do? Some of you here tonight might say, I don't really get worship. Like some of you guys are musicians or you just love to sing or you just love the band. You're like, man, I'm all about that time. Like, Doug, you're, you're nice and all, but shut up and let's get back to the worship because I love when they play. All right. Now, others of you in the room, you're like, I don't really get it. I don't really like it. I don't really know what to do. The musicians are talented and great. They're nice to listen to, but I don't know how to worship or why I should worship or what that looks like. I don't really get it. And so how do you worship? Well, we're going to look at that tonight. And the second and more important question is, why should we worship? Like, what's the point of it? Why do we do it? Why is it so important to do when we're together? What's that all about? And so I hope tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus, to encourage you, to help you remember some of the things that are important to know as we look at something like this. But also, if you're someone here tonight and you're just unsure, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, you know, this is one of the things I don't understand about church. Um, why are people like raising their hands? What's that about? Why do sometimes people, you see them kneeling down on the ground, like, like what's going on there? Maybe you're a little weirded out by that. So let's talk it through and let's figure it all out here. And hopefully tonight you'll be able to leave going, oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's not weird. It makes sense. I understand it. So we're going to check out Psalm 100. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but it's a powerful psalm and it teaches us a lot about how we worship and why we should worship. So Psalm 100 verse 1 says this, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. So first, answer for how is we shout to the Lord, which is good because the music's really loud in here. You kind of have to shout, right, when you're in here. No, but what I love about this is that shouting isn't just about like, blah, you know. It's, it's I love the excitement and the passion that I think the psalmist is talking about. That we're, we're supposed to come into this place excited to worship God. We're supposed to walk in here ready to worship God. Look at verse 2. Worship the, or, uh, yeah, verse 2. Worship the Lord with gladness, right? So another answer for how we're supposed to worship. We're supposed to worship with gladness in our hearts. Um, let me ask you a question, okay? Now, you guys know, I sit right here, right, during the worship. I, I'm here, and, and I don't know what you guys are doing behind me, okay? I don't have one of those bus driver mirrors where I can see the whole crew behind me. I'll turn this thing around, right? I don't, I don't have that, okay? So I don't know what you did behind me, okay? So this is not me judging you, coming down on you, pointing fingers. I want you, ready? You rate yourself as you were in here for those first two songs tonight. Gladness meter of one to five, where were you? Where were you on that? If you had to rate yourself, your own worship, how glad you were to be worshiping Jesus tonight, where would you rate yourself? Some of you guys are like, five. You even say the five. Gladly, glad, five, right? Some of you guys are like, maybe a three. Some of you guys are like, 0.7? Like, I, I don't know, I just wasn't all that glad to be worshiping. Now, here's something that we really need to look at for a second. I didn't ask you how glad you were when you walked in the room tonight. I didn't ask you how glad you are about how your life is going. What I asked you is how gladly you worship Jesus. Because here's the thing, you can worship Jesus gladly even when you're not glad about how your life is going or how your day went today. Why? Why that's possible, we're going to see in just a minute. But you can worship Jesus gladly on your worst day. And so we should be coming in here excited. We should come in here glad to worship. Look at the next part. It says, come before him with joyful songs. Right? If somebody else were to rate you on, on the joyful meter, you didn't know these things existed, right? On the joyful meter, what would they give you? I'm just looking at you during those first two songs. 
two, three, four. I don't know. What would it be, right? Because we're supposed to come in joyful to worship Jesus and excited to worship him. I, I think it's funny. Sometimes we, we end up singing the words on the screen that aren't really true of us, you know? It's like, here I am, arms open wide. Yeah, no. <laughs> Christmas time's coming. It's like, joy to the world. I hate this song. You know, it's like, like we're, we're saying things, and it's like, I'm supposed to be joyful here, right? I'm supposed to be excited. I'm supposed to be surrendered to God. I'm arms open wide. God, just more of you with arms wide open. You know, I'm just like, I'm just ready to go for it, you know? But instead, it's like almost maybe enduring. It's, it's oh God, I, I've been having a bad day, so I don't know how I'm supposed to worship you gladly or with excitement or with joy, right? And so why do we worship? Why can we worship with joy and gladness and excitement even when everything else is falling apart. Look at verse three. Now we get to some whys. Know that the Lord is God. Why can you worship, even when everything else is falling apart, when all the acorns are falling all around you, right? Why can you still worship with gladness? Because you know that the Lord is God. You know the Lord, your God. I mean, we could stop right there, and you'd have enough motivation to worship God. We could just close in prayer right now and invite the band back up and we could worship God because we know the Lord is God. You see, you have the most important key in you for gladness and joy. And it's that you know the Lord is God. I know some really wealthy people. I know some famous people. I know some people who have what seems like it all together, but they don't know the Lord is God. That means you have more to be excited about than they do. Not because you're better than them, but because you know the Lord is God. So on your worst day, you can come in here and be glad. And here's what I want you to see tonight. I'm not asking you to fabricate or fake worship, right? I'm not asking you to come in here and you had a terrible day and be like, okay, well, I guess I got to fake this and make God think I'm happy to sing to him. No, see, what I really want you to see tonight is that all of our worship is a response as long as our worship is a response to the fact that God is God and we know him, then it'll never be fake. Because I can be walking in here and I had a horrible week, but I can go, wait a minute, I know the Lord God. So I can get to a place of true worship as I respond to that truth. And so even when I'm having a terrible day, a terrible week, I can be glad and joyful in it. It's all a response. Look what it says next. It is he who made us. Why can you worship God? Because he made you. Yeah, he's the Lord God, but he also made you. He created you. He made you really incredibly. Did you know that your nose can remember 50,000 different scents? There's a few scents I wish my nose would forget, but, but there's 50,000, right? Um, there are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in you, 100,000 miles. Did you know that similar to fingerprints? We actually each have a unique tongue print. I'm so glad that they don't tongue print people, right? Like, oh, i got to ID you, sir. Please lick the ink and then the paper. I'm good. I don't need to be in the system. All right, right? Uh, what about uh, the human eye? Do you know that if the human eye was a digital camera, it would have 576 megapixels? What did Apple put in the most recent phone? Like 12? Amateurs, right? God created you. And so you can come in here on your worst day and gladly worship a God who is the Lord that you know, and who has created you. It goes on a little bit, and I love this part. And we are his. And we are his. See, maybe tonight you came walking through the door, 
a little bit brokenhearted because you used to be somebody's, but now you're not. Maybe they passed away. Maybe they broke up with you. Maybe the relationship isn't what it used to be. So you used to say, hey, I'm his or I'm hers or I'm theirs, or, but that's been taken away from you. Yeah, but you're God's. And what's beautiful is not just that you're his, but what it took to make you his. It took Jesus' brutal crucifixion on the cross and rising back from the dead to make you and me his. And so you belong to God. So we can respond to him in true, genuine worship, thanking him that we belong to him. It goes a little further in the next part. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Why can you worship God? Why should you? Because you're the sheep of his pasture. And you know what that means? That means that you have a shepherd, and the Bible calls him the good shepherd, right? Well, what does a shepherd do for their sheep? Just think about it. Well, a shepherd provides for their sheep, right? Make sure they have all their needs. I had a friend a few months ago who, who came up to me and said, Doug, I really need something to work out. I have something going on in my life where at a certain point, something's going to run out, and if I don't have what I need, the, you know, by this certain day, there was a certain day, then I'm going to be in serious trouble. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and I'd be texting him like, hey, bro, that come through yet? No, nah, no. Nah. Texting a little, closer to, a little closer to D-Day, a little closer to D-Day. Like, all right, man, hang in there, hang in there, keep praying, keep praying. Eventually, he, he texts me, he goes, it came today. It was the last day he could have been without it, and it came through. Because we have a shepherd, a God who provides, a God who comes through. That's why we can worship, because we have this great God that provides. What else would a shepherd do for a sheep? He would care for it, right? So a sheep gets all cut up, goes running to the shepherd, and the shepherd mends the wound. So you and I walk in, and maybe we have some brokenness in our hearts. Maybe we have some pain in our hearts. Guess what? You and I have a shepherd that wants to mend that brokenness in our lives. You know what else a shepherd does? A shepherd leads. That's great news, because some of you guys are trying to figure out, like, where do I go? What do I do? What job? Uh, is he the one? Is she the one? Is that the place? Uh, am I supposed to make a, a career change? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Well, you have a shepherd that leads you. And so you can respond. So you can come into this room any Sunday. You can sit here and you can go, okay, I don't have to be fake with God. I can genuinely worship him because I know that he's the Lord, because he created me, because I'm his, and because he is my shepherd. And we get a little bit more how, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So this is how we're supposed to come in church, ready to go, ready to praise, excited to be here, excited that we get to be close to God and sing our hearts out to him. And then we see some more why. Verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I love this. Let's start at the top. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. So I was born way back in 1978. And I'm so thankful that in 1977, God's love didn't run out. That it endures. Uh, 1997. Some of you guys are like, I was one. (laughs) Yeah, cool, shut up. Uh, 1997. I'm making some really bad choices at college. I'm so glad that God's love endures, that it didn't run out in 96. You're here today. God's love endures. See, God's love lasts longer than all of our blunders and all of our sin and all of our mistakes. His love endures. And so you can come and you can feel very dirty and you can feel very broken. You can come into this place and you can say, all right, God, your love endures 
I love the next part. It talks about his faithfulness continues through all generations. You know what that means? Even when I'm unfaithful, he's faithful. Even when everyone around you is unfaithful, God is faithful. Have you found a reason yet to worship? I think I've mentioned maybe six reasons that we can worship God. There are a billion. But tonight, I've just listed that we can know that he's the Lord. He's our creator. We are his. He's our shepherd. His love endures, and he is faithful. That's a lot of whys. That's a lot of motivation. That's a lot of reasons that you and I can worship this awesome God who loves us so much. And so what I hope you are seeing here tonight, and then we're going to talk practically, is that worship is a response. Worship is a response. That's why you can do it any day of the week. And sometimes you have to preach to your heart a little bit. There's been times I've been standing here on my little seat here, and I'm just like, I don't feel like worshiping. Like I'm just going through too much, or I'm, it's life's too hard. Or, and you've got to preach to your heart a little bit, and you've got to say things like, wait a minute, I know God. Wait a minute. He created me. Wait a minute. I belong to him. And it took his death on a cross to make that possible. Wait a minute. He's faithful and his love endures. And I think any day of the week, guys, we can get ourselves to a place of genuine worship when we realize all that God has done for us. And so that's why we can worship, because worship is a response. God is so good to us. He doesn't just say, worship me because I say so. He says, See how great I am and respond. You see, one of the beautiful things about talking about worship is something that's true about you. You are a worshiper. You're already a worshiper. Maybe you're not worshiping God, but you are someone who loves to see awesomeness and respond to it, right? Some of you guys do it with a band on a stage. Some of you guys do it with someone on a sports court. Some of you guys do it when it comes to art or when it comes to just a friend that you love and you're like, man, I just love hanging out with you. I'm gonna make a big deal of this. We are great at worshiping. The problem is, is when we get our worship all off in other places besides God, life gets real messy and crazy. And God says, hey, I'm the most awesome thing out there. Not because he's cocky. He just knows he genuinely is the most awesome thing out there and wants to satisfy us. So he says, hey, let me satisfy you by being your creator, the one who loves you, your shepherd, and then respond in worship. You are hardwired to worship. You are hardwired to respond to what you love. So here's a question for you. Ready? Let's talk practically now. What does this look like? Because different churches worship in different ways and all this, right? What does this look like? Well, my question for you is this. If worship, if worship is a response, then what kind of a response are you giving to God when you're here in this room? Just think about that for a second. If worship is a response to who God is and what he's done, then what kind of a, a response <clears throat> is God seeing in you and in me when we come together to worship? Let, let's be real, right? Some of us are giving the response not too impressed. Right? If, if we're honest, some of us are going, again, I don't have my bus driver mirror, so I don't know who's who, all right? But some of us, if we're real, when we come in here to worship together, the response that we are portraying to those around us and to God is not too impressed. So this is maybe arms folded, just kind of staring at the screen, maybe not really singing along, just sort of, eh. And I understand, sometimes it's hard to worship because you're in an environment where there isn't maybe great musicians or whatever, you know, like the comedian Tim Hawkins once talked about how 
you know, a lady will get up on the stage and, and she'll get, it, get, the, get the microphone and say, God gave me this song, and then she'll sing it. And you'd be like, you, you should probably give it back. <laughs> it really wasn't good, you know. And, and, and I understand sometimes that's difficult, but, but here, listen to me. Even if that's the case, right? Like, we got to remember we're worshiping God, not the poor musician on the stage, right? And so we got to push through that, right? I always, I always try to remind you guys and myself that if we're worshiping only to a certain style of music, then we're worshiping the style of music and not God, right? Uh, one of my favorite times of worship that I can remember, I've had many in this room, but, but one of my favorite was when we were in, in Belize, and we were on a mission trip, and it was like six billion degrees, and we were in a, a church about half the size of this with uh, just probably about as many people all crammed in, and there's no walls, and it's pouring out, and there's wind flying through, we're getting wet, and, and the people are... <clears throat> singing in Spanish, I think. I don't even know French. Who, who cares? I don't know. It's all Greek to me. And uh, so they're singing, right? And, and there's a band up front, not very good. And here I am, like thousands of miles away from earth, and the people in the room are singing their hearts out. And I got tears streaming down my face going, God, you are good. God, you are good. These musicians, not so much, but, but God, you are good. You are amazing. And God, the same God that they worship on Long Island, they're worshiping in Belize. And these people have nothing. They live in, in houses the size of my closet, and they are passionately worshiping. It's one of the most powerful times of worship that I can remember. Now, I say all that to say that we are so spoiled here. We are so unbelievably spoiled here. We have such amazing musicians, such an amazing team of musicians and production that lead us every week to set the table for us, to make it easy for us to worship God. It's ridiculous. I mean, anyone that comes up on this stage could be touring, could have a record contract. Um, we, we have churches five times the size of our church calling us like, you guys have any musicians for us for this weekend? We're a little short. We're this tiny little church. It's crazy. And so I would just hate for us to miss out on worshiping God. Whether we have a great band or not, we should be able to worship God on any given day because of who he is, because it's a response. But how much more when we are blessed with who we have and what we have every single time that we walk through the doors. And so, man, I don't think that any of us should be given off that response not to impress. Some of us are maybe given off, I guess you're not bad, right? Some of us, the response we have for God is, you're good. And then there's those of us in the room who would say, Jesus, you're everything. That's my response to you. You are everything. I am lost without you, God. There's nothing I can do apart from you. That's who you are, and I'm going to respond with that heart, that you are my everything. So what does this look like practically for us? How do we do this here at this church? Well, here's, here's a phrase we came up with a while back. It's this phrase, freedom within a framework, okay? Freedom within a framework. And, and here's the deal. There, there are churches out there that have a lot of framework. What does that mean? It means that they've built a lot of kind of walls around their worship. So it's like, you know, you can only do this, you can't do that, no clapping, no smiling, no having fun, no enjoying this, no, you know, it's passionless, it's pretty dry. And then you have your freedom churches, and, and I'm not against either one of these churches. We're just different than both of them, okay? Then you have your freedom churches. In your freedom churches, there are people just dancing and running around all over the place, and that's great. That, that's great. Let them, you know, that's their deal. Let them do it. Awesome, okay? Um, but we're freedom within a framework. I think we kind of combine the two. B 
because of who we're trying to reach. And I'll explain. Uh, years ago, we had a girl that would come to our night service. This is like when it, there was literally probably like 15 people back in the day. And she would come and she would dance around the whole room. And I knew her heart. Her heart was to worship God. Like she was straight up about, like, God, I want to glorify you in this. And I have no doubt about that. But she would dance all around the room. And she would literally like do these like ballerina moves like all around the room. And one night I had to like stop her. And I just, she was literally, she was bumping into people and, and everyone was watching her and not worshiping. And I just kind of like went over to her and I kind of put my arm around her. It's kind of hard to do that with someone doing ballet. It's like, like, is she going to like pirouette now? Like, what do I, how do I? And so I, find, I just kind of put my arm around her. And I said, I said, but I, I know your heart is to worship Jesus like this. I know you're doing this for the right reasons. But for here and for right now, everyone's watching you. And we all want to be watching him. And so I, I get why you're doing this. And that's great. And I love you and I love your heart. But, but for what we're trying to accomplish here in this room, we just want to ask you, if you could just have some freedom, but have it within a framework so that not everyone is, is watching you. We can all kind of worship together and still be free to worship God, but, but do it in a way it's not going to distract everyone else in the room. Now, why did I do that, all right? The reason I did that is because we are a church. If you've been around, you know our vision statement, who want to be a place that, that unchurched people love to attend, right? And where Christians can grow deep in their faith. So we want to give freedom to the Christians who want to worship. But we also want a little bit of framework so that the people who don't normally attend church aren't running for the door at the end of the service, right? And so it's this balance. It's not easy, but it's possible. And so it's this balance that we fight for. Hey, we want you to be free to worship, but we want a little bit of a framework because here's, the, here's what I think I love about, one of the things I love about this church is that I think we're all okay with limiting our own personal, personal expressions of worship a little bit for the sake of reaching our neighbors and our friends' neighbors, right? Like, I love to worship Jesus, but I'm going to do it in a way so that if the neighbor that I've invited to come is sitting next to me, he's not going to be like, Doug's insane, right? But, but here's the other side of it. I want people to come in this room, and I want them to be like, man, I don't know about if I believe in Jesus. I don't know about all this, but I know, and this is so important, I know those people really love Jesus. I know they are really excited about Jesus. See, it's this balance. It's very tricky. We don't want to quelch passion, but we also don't want to scare people away. And so this freedom within a framework, I think, looks kind of like this. I think some appropriate responses are, well, moving your lips is a good start for some of us, right? It's always an awesome start. Um, clapping, absolutely. Raising our hands. What does that mean? It means, I just want to be close to you, God. God, I want to be close to you. My son, Landon, this week, my eight-year-old, was sick this week, really sick. And there were so many times he would just come close to me, and he would just sort of lean on me. There'd be times he'd reach out for me. And I was like, this is glorious. Oh, my boy. You know? And it was just that fun closeness thing. And, and I think, guys, in the same way, that's what we're doing when we come together, just raising our hands. God, I just want to be near you. I just want to be close to you. Right? Sometimes it's just putting our arms out like this, just, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to you my life, or God, just fill me. I have a friend, Roger Blackmore, he, he's a pastor out at Genesis Church, and, and he once talked about how when you raise your hands like this, what does it look like? It kind of looks like a funnel, right? Like, God, just fill me. Fill me with peace. Fill me with joy. Fill me with you. And so it's just that desire to be close. So there's nothing weird about it. It's just a closeness thing. Uh, some people maybe want to get on their knees, you know? Some people maybe want to 
uh, jump up and down. I mean, just we want to be excited about God, and yet we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. So if you're doing it to draw attention to yourself, don't do it. But if you're doing it to worship God, have freedom within the framework because we want to be a place that people can come in and be like, man, those people love Jesus. It's so obvious by the way they worship, the way they sing, that they really, really love Jesus. Now, some of you guys are like, ah, Doug, you're putting a little too much restriction on this. Others of you guys are like, easy, Doug, you know. Why aren't any of the things that I mentioned weird? Just think about it this way, okay? Last night, 42,000 people at Wrigley Field. I love it, right? It's been 7 million years since they've been in the World Series, okay? And they turn that double play, end the game, clinch the National League, and what happens? The place goes nuts, arms up, screaming, ah, yes! Place going crazy. What are they doing? Responding to something awesome that happened. And do you know what I know? I was not there, but I know did not happen. There was not a guy at the top of the stadium, last seat in the place with his arms folded, looking at everyone going, you people are so freaking me out right now. Can we just pare down a little bit here? Didn't happen. Why? Because everyone in that place understood that they were going to passionately respond to something awesome. And so this isn't weird. I've been in Nassau Coliseum with my arms raised, singing songs with 40,000 people I don't know. Piano man, sing us the song of the piano man. I don't know what this means. I don't know why my hands are in the air. Cool. At least here I know why my hands are in the air. At least here I know why I'm singing. And so this isn't weird. This is how worship is done, whether it's a ball game or a concert. This is how we're wired to respond. And so a couple of questions for you as I kind of just bring this down. One of, the, one of the things I like to think about on a day when maybe I'm struggling to worship is as I'm sitting here, I just think, all right, so here's Andrew. And I just think, if Jesus were standing here right next to Andrew, and he's looking out at me, what would I want him to see? But what I want to see, if Jesus was standing on the stage looking out as I worship, and I don't want to use this to manipulate anybody or whatever, like just be you. This isn't like if you raise your hands, you're holy. If you keep them down, you're not at all. Be you. But what would you want Jesus to see? Some people, you, you, you want Jesus to see you meditatively, just quietly, close. That's okay. If that's, what, if that's you responding appropriately to the awesomeness of God, then do it. Some of you guys need to be on your knees. Some of you guys need both hands. Some of you guys need this going on. Some of you guys just need to be clapping or just singing your heart out. What does it look like to appropriately respond to the grace that God has shown you and me? And some of you guys might be like, but Doug, I'm not musical. Why do you think we have the music so loud? No, I'm kidding. No one can hear you. No one can hear you. And I really believe that that God is more blessed. I don't, I don't really have any biblical proof for this. I guess I shouldn't say that. But, but I believe God is so blessed by you if you don't have a good voice. I really do. You know why? Because for you, this isn't maybe as much fun as Andrew, right? For you, this is a sacrifice of praise. For you, this is going, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable. This isn't my natural thing. I'm not a great singer. But God, I'm going to bless you anyway. And I think that blesses the heart of God so much. When you will say, okay, God, I'm going to go for this. Why do you think we keep it dark in here? Because we want you to feel like there's no eyes on you. That it's just you and God. That you're close to him. And that you can raise your hands and not worry. That you could get on your knees and not worry. That you could jump up and down and not worry. Because you're just so excited about what Jesus 
has done in your life. You know what we don't have time to get into tonight? All the amazing things God does when we worship. We don't have time to get into all that. About how Scripture tells us he inhabits or dwells in the praise of his people. There is power. Can I just encourage you? There is power in, in, in the fact that we come together and all of us corporately together worship. God is with us in a specifically cool, awesome way when we're together like this. And the more of us that go for it in worship, I really believe the more of him we're going to experience. We don't have time to get into the fact that he heals during worship. He breaks off depression and anxiety during worship. He, he fills us with a joy during worship. Sometimes we just feel close to him. We feel his presence. Sometimes we just start to cry during worship because we just feel, wow, all the release of all the junk in my heart. Maybe you walked in feeling really dirty, and here is the unfailing love of God just washing over you, and you're feeling just such release in his presence. We don't have time to get into all that tonight. But I hope tonight you know how to worship, and I hope you know why we worship. Because the Lord is God, because he created us, because we're his, because he's our shepherd, because of his unfailing love and his faithfulness that will endure all generations. If you're a follower of Jesus, what would you want him to see if he were looking out at you? tonight and beyond if you're not a follower of jesus you've heard me talk a lot tonight about jesus and the death and the resurrection that he accomplished on your behalf and on my behalf to remove our sin if you want to begin a relationship with him tonight then i would encourage you to pray with me in just a minute put your trust in him begin a conversation with god but if you're a follower of jesus what would it look like to take your worship to the next step maybe pray for boldness if you're afraid maybe pray for just strength, maybe pray for love, maybe pray for just an open eye. I mean, what do we sing tonight? God, I'm going to wait here. You show me more of your love. Show me more who you are. Show me what I don't know. Show me what I don't understand about you, God. And so just praying, God, I want to be at a place of being able to worship you genuinely every single time I'm gathered together with my brothers and sisters in this room. Worship is a response. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you've given us this vehicle, vehicle of worship. Thank you, God, that it's something we get to do. And I thank you, God, we're so spoiled here in this room. I thank you for these incredible musicians and an incredible production team that you've given to us, Lord, to set the table so that we can just passionately and excitingly worship you. And I pray tonight, God, that you'll just help us respond appropriately, God. There's no, there's no guilt here. There's no manipulation here. Just help us respond appropriately to how you've wired each of us, to who you are and what you've done. God, I just pray that you will do great things as we come together. I pray tonight there'd be healing in the worship, there'd be freedom in the worship, there'd be love, there'd be your presence at work, there'd be unity in this room. I pray there'd be freedom, God, to raise our hands and to sing to you and to clap to you and to get on our knees and to jump up and down in response to what you have done for us. So if you're a Christian, would you pray for a minute and just have a conversation with God about what a next step looks like for you as you center your life around him in worship. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to have a conversation with God like this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising from the dead. God, show me how good you are and help me to live a life responding in worship to you. In your name I pray, amen.